0: I do want to welcome you to the Hershey Free Church this morning. Some of you are new to our church and perhaps new joining us online and I want to just say welcome. My name is George Davis and if you are new, we're currently in a series in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is all about really learning to live well, learning to live wisely in the world that God has created. And so, we're looking at different topics this summer hopefully so that we can grow in wisdom in different dimensions of our lives. And even as we, we are seeking to grow individually, this is really also a season where I, I want to invite you to join us in prayer for our church community. You know, we're kind of in a new season of life and church coming out of the last couple of years and sorting out what that looks like. and. And over the last couple of years, one of the things our elders have been wrestling with is is a piece of property that we own on on seven hundred forty three and and kind of prayerfully considering that and and kind of how do we move forward? How does it fit into our mission and and even coming to a point of wanting to recommend to the church that uh, we go ahead and list that property for sale. But in this process, it became clear that even as we've been working through this, we want to invite others to join us in prayer over this issue for unity, for vision, for wisdom. And so uh, I just want to kind of kind of keep that in front of us. And uh, just as a matter of prayer, I would ask you to join us in that. And so let me, let me just pray for us right now. So Father, even as we're thinking about what it, what it looks like for us to develop wisdom individually in the different dimensions of our lives, um, we also pray for wisdom as a church community as we're kind of in a new place after the last couple of years and, and kind of in a place of really seeking to engage our mission in new and creative ways in this new season and, and being good stewards of the resources that you have given, including this piece of property. So we pray for wisdom and unity in that, for boldness, for boldness for uh, understanding what our next steps should be. But I, I would also ask that even as we're thinking about how does this property fit into our mission, that we would also just individually be willing to say, okay, how, how am I to be a part of your mission, God, and what does that entail? So I pray that we're going to be open to what you desire to hear, and Proverbs tells us that you give wisdom to those who seek it. And it is in light of that truth that we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I said, we're, right, we're in this series, Wisdom for Life, and we're looking at the way Proverbs talks about different topics, seeking to give us wisdom for different dimensions of who we are and different kind of responsibilities that we have. And so with that in mind, what we're going to look today is really at the issue of marriage and how Proverbs engages the issue of marriage. And what is fascinating is Proverbs has some very different things to to say about marriage. Uh, On the one hand, Proverbs can talk about the potential for marriage. I mean, Proverbs can talk in really powerful ways about the potential for marriage. Let me just read one uh, one verse for you, where in Proverbs 5, we're reading about the potential for marriage. And we read these words, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Wow, it's kind of, out. it's wow, really an amazing, like this kind of a, this amazing vision for what marriage can be. Or another proverb uh, from Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds What is good, or he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now keep in mind, Proverbs was basically written to young men. It's preparing young men for for arguably civil service and and responsibilities and culture. So I think when you read something like this, you can kind of read it both ways. that, That he who finds a spouse finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And arguably part of what Proverbs is arguing is that that God's, God's ideal, God's dream is that the marriage relationship would be a place where God's grace and favor is at work in the context of that relationship. Now this is, this is kind of an amazing, it's a big vision that Proverbs has. And I realize for some of us would say, well, that's just, that's just the Bible or that's just what you hear on Sundays. That's just idealistic, right? Right? But interestingly, Proverbs kind of has this amazing positive vision for the potential of marriage. But Proverbs is also very straightforward about the dangers we can experience within marriage. So, for instance, if if over the course of the summer, as we're talking about Proverbs, if if you kind of dive into the book, I would encourage you to do that if you've never read Proverbs before. But if you dive into the book, if you read through the book carefully, you'll notice repeated places where the author is warning against sexual infidelity in, in marriage. So there's a recognition of the dangers of marriage. Or here are just a couple of other passages that speak of the, the dangers that we can experience in relationships. How about this one? Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. It's a powerful image, isn't it? Of how kind of relationships can break down in families and marriages. And now one of my favorite verses a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. <laughs> now, now, just, I know, you know, we read that, and for those of us who, who are old enough to remember All in the Family, it sounds like something Archie Bunker would say, doesn't it? Right? It, you know, just kind of a complaining husband, that kind of sounds somewhat chauvinistic. But it's interesting, a couple of months ago in preparation for the series, I called a friend of mine who teaches Old Testament at Denver Seminary. And and arguably, my friend Knut Haim is actually a Proverbs expert. Uh, Most of his professional scholarly research and writing has focused on the book of Proverbs. So I was calling him to help help me shape this series. And as we were talking, he brought up this verse, and I kind of laughed a little bit like you did. And this is when he said, George, when you read Proverbs, it's important to enter into the imagery. And he said, let's just kind of enter into the imagery of this passage for a moment, right? The imagery of this house with the leaky roof. And then he asked me a question I had never thought of in all the years of reading verses like this. He asked this question. He said, who should have fixed the roof? Right? I mean, it's like, wow. Wow. And what he then did was kind of walk me through, understand the way this imagery works. He says, What you've got, you've got imagery of something that normally should be of great value. It's protective, it's beneficial, it provides comfort and warmth or cool. The the roof, so important in the home in the ancient world. But now it's being neglected, it's not being maintained properly. And as a result, every time there are stressors, every time there is conflict, every time there is unexpected com- complexity in the relationship or in circumstances, every time that happened, the roof leaks. And, and that's the, the kind of relationship that's being described here. And and frankly, I realize I probably don't need to go into a lot of detail. I don't need to give you lots of examples because we just know this in personal experience. Some of us have been in marriages where the roof leaked and eventually it just fell apart. Some of us perhaps are in marriages now where we kind of feel the stressors. We kind of resonate with that image of sometimes it just feels like a leaky roof. Some of us have seen that in our families of origin, with our parents. Some of it know that experience just through friends or family members. We've seen kind of the, the way marriages kind of just, kind of just rupture and pull against each other. And and so here's what we've got, right? I mean, this is kind of, a, it's, kind of a, it's just an interesting contrast you find in the pages of Proverbs. There's this amazing potential for marriage, but the reality of how dangerous and damaging those relationships can actually be. So what I want to do, what we're going to do this morning is I, I want to simply unpack one verse for you in Proverbs, because I think it's a verse um, that kind of gives us a vision for marriage, and it's a verse that, that really helps us understand how do we lean into that potential. Look, we're not always going to get it right. It's not going to be perfect, but how do we lean into that positive vision for marriage, and how, how do we kind of work at not allowing, <laughs> not allowing the relationship to become a leaky roof? How do we do that? As we ask those questions, as we look at this one verse, particularly since it's, we're dealing with marriage, I've asked my wife, Rose, to join me and help me with this. So would you help me in welcoming Rose Davis? Mm-hmm. Now, Rose, as we, as we get started, I think we, we have to be honest in our own relationship. It was pretty early on that we, we came to realize marriage is not going to be all roses and sunshine and unicorns, right? Uh, we kind of learned that maybe even with our first fight or conflict uh, when we were Insensitivity, engaged. yes. Insensitivity, <laughs> go ahead.
1: <laughs> we had our wedding invitations that we were getting ready to send out, and I noticed there was a huge error on our invitation. The church name is Elmbrook. It should be one word. It was two. I'm an English major, not happy. So I called George up, and I'm like, I can't believe this has happened. They won't reprint them. It's just a mess. What do we do? And he he said, wow, um, yeah, that's hard. I'm going to just get off the phone and let you, like, sort this through, right? Stupid idea. (laughs) Like, really? You know, like, he's learned a lot since then. Anyway.
0: We're trying to set the bar high for you, okay? (laughs) We're going to really set it high.
1: So the next morning, I walk into my girlfriend's cubicle, and I just said to her, the Garden of Eden is over. (laughs) But it's gone a lot better since then. That's right.
0: Almost 29 (laughs) years. 29 years. So Rose, let's just talk about um, kind of how Proverbs discusses marriage. Now, there's, there's no magic formula in the book of Proverbs, no mathematical here, you know, one, two, three, that kind of thing. But I do think there is a, a vision, if you look carefully, for what marriage can be. And I, I want to look at a, really a surprising verse to kind of see the critical elements in how Proverbs portrays marriage, because the verse we're actually going to look at is a verse that describes an unfaithful spouse. But in the course of describing an unfaithful spouse, the author, I think, gives us three key elements to the potential for our marriage, three key elements that need to be in place if we, we're to grow and flourish in marriage. So it, the verse I want to show you is from Proverbs 2, verse 17. Again, it's talking about an, un, unhealth, an unfaithful spouse, and it says, describes her as one who left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. But in looking at that, I want you to see three elements that seem to be part of Proverbs' vision for marriage. First of all, it's a covenant. You see reference to the idea it's a covenant. Secondly, it's, it's before God. And thirdly, um, there to be partners. And the idea of partnering here is the idea of, of really learning each other in an ongoing way and working together. I like to translate it as intimate allies. And so really, here's, here's I think, Here's the, here's the positive vision for marriage that flows out of that. Here's one way to think about marriage. Marriage is a covenant before God to be intimate allies as husband and wife. And so what we want to do this morning is kind of just kind of unpacking Proverbs 2.17. Just talk a little bit about those three elements that, that are part of the wise approach to marriage. And and I want to encourage you as we do that to just be attuned. If you are married, you know, how are these, what do these elements look like in our relationship? Likewise, some of you are, maybe you're dating or you anticipate marriage may be a part of your future. So think about that if you're in a dating relationship. Is this really, are these elements potentially here in our relationship? So we're going to talk about these three elements that are part of a positive vision for marriage. And then we're going to share three things that sometimes get in the way. So we're kind of going to deal with the positive and then potential obstacles, things that get in the way. So Rose, unpacking that kind of understanding of marriage for a moment, let's come back to the idea of covenant. And of course, the Uh, The term covenant is a term we don't always necessarily use in everyday life, but it's it's a deeply biblical term, a concept of of, uh, kind of a formal commitment with the expectation that this commitment is lifelong. Now, in saying that, I I realize that for many, um, marriage has fallen out of disfavor, For many, why why do we need to get married? We can just live together. We can try, you know, and and kind of those kinds of ideas are really prevalent in our culture. And so the the biblical idea of covenant can, can seem maybe different. So what would you say, Rose, to those who really wonder, well, why marriage? Why do we need to even go to the trouble of making that kind of commitment?
1: Yeah, I, it's just an interesting time, isn't it? I was talking to one of our sons and he said, I don't know any of my friends not living with their girlfriends. And I just think, wow, we've really, like, really, marriage has really gone out of favor. And I just think, but God created this as a beautiful thing, as a commitment, as something to establish for our safety, our protection. I can't imagine being intimate with someone that I didn't have that long-range commitment to that I knew had my back, that loved me, that was willing to work through all our difficulties and, and the mess that I sometimes have. And I think that's so important. And I've had people say to me, well, you know, you gotta, you know, you buy a car, you kick the tires, you drive it, you gotta know what you're getting. And I just wanna say, we are not cars people. We are deeply intimate People that we cannot just use and throw away and try to figure it out or, oh, you know, I like her, but I don't like this or whatever. We have to really get back to this this passion for godly marriages that God wants, not because he's some sort of killjoy, because he is really clearly wants the best for us. And that is how we established it in marriage.
0: And I think one of the things we would, just want to hear, we would want you to hear us say, because I realize some of you again, you you think very differently on kind of the importance of getting married and all of that, but maybe if you're in a dating relationship, or maybe, yeah, maybe you are living together, but you're open to exploring marriage, and think about what that would look like, we we would just love to have that conversation with you, we'd love to have you over for dinner, even some of you maybe watching online that haven't even yet gotten to visit us in person, we'd offer that to you as well, so you can just contact me at uh, G. Davis at HersheyFree.com if you'd like to have that conversation. So, so this vision of marriage, first of all, it is, it's, it's a covenant, right? It is, it's a commitment. And it, it's intended that in the context of this commitment, we experience safety and security. But it's not only that kind of commitment. It is a commitment before God. And Proverbs says that specifically. And remember, if you read the book of Proverbs, and we've already seen this, throughout the book of Proverbs, we are told that, that, that it's in your relationship with God that you begin to find wisdom, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is foundational to becoming a person who lives well. And so when it comes to marriage, it is important for us to understand this isn't just a commitment between us. This is a commitment before God, and he is to be central in that relationship. And let me me just give you two implications of that that I think are really important. First of all, I think when I understand that this is before God, it should foster humility. Now, here's here's one of the challenges of marriage. Marriage just shines a spotlight on you, on all the broken places, on all the insecurities, on all the things you get wrong, right? Right? The truth is, you have not seen me at my worst. She has. And we don't know, get, need to go into that. But. No, not, not today. <laughs> Hopefully there's not a list there. but um,
1: <laughs> That's tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is not about us, dear. Okay, we tried go, to help you. Keep them.
1: going.
0: <laughs> We're having a lot of fun with this. I hope you enjoy it. Um, no, but here's the reality. What... What do I do when I experience those moments? Do I become defensive? Do I just deflect? Do I go in the attack and say, well, you know, maybe I do this, but you blah, blah. Well, what about the time you did that, blah, blah, blah. But you see, when, when I realize this, this is before God, that just keeps me aware of the t- reality that God actually wants to be at work in this relationship. And, of course, as a follower of Christ, you know, I'm rooted in him. So that that reality of being before God, I think, can give me the freedom to actually, in the context of this relationship, kind of confront some of the junk that gets exposed as we relate to one another. So being before God, I think, means um, it's going to foster humility. But I also think understanding that this is before God should foster responsibility. Remember again, when Proverbs talks about this positive vision for marriage, he, he talks, the author talks in terms of you're finding favor. You're finding something that is good. And I think the, the expectation, the goal would be that this is a relationship where God's grace is at work. And when I take that seriously, I think one of the things I have to come to grips with is one of the ways God's grace is to be at work in Rose's life is through me. And there are ways that I can be an agent of grace in her life that you will never have the opportunity to be. And so when see when I understand this relationship is before God, I think it, just, it should foster a humility, but also a sense of responsibility. Okay, so... It's a covenant, right? It's a covenant. That, that sense of commitment. And, and it, but it's a sense of commitment that we realize is before God. It's founded on God. And so we're to be open to he, his work and the ongoing work of his grace. And in the context of being before God, it is a place where we are to work together and to learn one another as intimate allies. And so, Rose, just just talk for a moment about kind of the importance of continuing to build into this relationship in different seasons of life.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting to watch kind of the seasons that, you know, we've gone through. We're kind of at the end part of this. But so often, you know, when you have small children, you're just in survival mode. And let me just tell you right now, just hang in there. It gets better. Um, marital satisfaction really takes a huge dip with small children, no surprise, you're exhausted and you're challenged and you're trying to figure it all out my advice is get a good babysitter we sent, we joke, we spent so much on our babysitter she went to London, England after a time with us <laughs> we're still in contact with her our kids still love the gal but it was important and our rule was always he gave me a minute to talk about the kids and then the rest of the time it had to be about us Because the kids are with you 20-some years in your home. But afterwards, when they leave, you don't want to be strangers. You really want to build into that relationship all along. And that really has to be intentional because the world wants to pull you apart. You get so busy chasing your kids' hobbies and things that are going on. Don't forget to cultivate each other. Because really, that's what's going to be at the end of this. Because we're actually enjoying emptiness. Our kids call and we're like, we're fine. We're having a great time.
0: We're spending so. your inheritance. We're so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking about that?
1: <laughs> we love to travel. Uh, so we love not to travel. a problem. Bye, kids. <laughs> so, no, okay. I love our kids.
0: But. So, so here's the vision, right? Here's, kind of, here's the potential if you're married, if you're thinking about marriage. Just keep this in mind. This is the potential. That this relationship could be a covenant, right, before God, where God is at work and we're really open to that. And in the context of the freedom, and context of God's work and grace, it's a place to grow and work together in different seasons of life with the different challenges, the different opportunities that come with each season. But to grow together, to learn one another, to work together as intimate allies, and so again, I would say, if, if you're thinking about marriage, just okay, and, and maybe if you're you know if you're kind of getting serious in a relationship, is this a person? Is this a person where we could enter into covenant before God as intimate allies? For those of us who are already in marriage, this is just kind of a good time to think about a checkup. I'll come back to this in a few moments, but just how are we doing in, in these different areas? So that's the vision, and we, we wanted to share this verse with you, but in sharing this, we also just wanted to briefly highlight several things that, that can get in the way. And, of course, over the years, we've had the opportunity to work with a variety of couples in different either engagement situations or other situations. And, and so here are, we, there are a lot of things we could talk about, but we wanted to talk about particularly three things that can, can get in the way of that vision. You might think of it as here are three different ways the roof can start to leak. And so the first thing that that we're going to mention is unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Rose, when we talk with couples, uh, this is one of the things we'd like to talk about. And and often one of the things you like couples to hear is just the whole idea of marriage is a package deal. Now, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, this is my package. (laughs) I can't... I can't change necessarily the package. I have to like the package before I take it. But once I take it, I have to stick with my package, right? So what I'm saying is that okay. When I was looking for a husband, I joked with my mom. I just want a guy who loves Jesus and he skis. Well, I got a guy who loves Jesus. I didn't get the skier, and he still You know, still you're five hundred. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one out of two. But the point is, is that there are going to be things I, I love about this package, and there's going to be challenges to the package. Same with me, right? I'm going to have those same challenges. We were just down um, visiting my in-laws. They just celebrated their 60th anniversary. Ooh, that's amazing. Um, but we always joke with my brother-in-law, um, my sister and, and my sister-in-law and George and I joke because we consider David what we call supermate. I mean, David cleans, David cooks. He does, you know, decorations of a charcuterie board, which is absolutely amazing. It's off the charts. And I just, I turned to George during the week and he said, why don't I have a supermate? <laughs> right? You know, because you can get like, whoa, you should be doing this and that, right? No. But I have to remember, I love that when I do something stupid or forget something or whatever, George never loses his temper. He's like, how can we fix this? Let's go, right? Just helpful. He offers, he's taught me what grace means in a relationship. So helpful. Um, I never have to fill my gas tank. It somehow magically appears. He knows my love language is acts of service. That's how he helps with that. I mean, this, this is the package. I can sit there and go, well, why doesn't he do this or that? Or I can focus on the things I love and adore and realize, like, I'm not going to get everything. I'm not everything. Why should I think I'm getting everything, right? And I think it's really key that we figure out what is really important that we do need to discuss. Like, I feel like, you know, we're not doing well in marriage. Can we sit down, you know, text them, early in the day hey i'm really frustrating what's going on in our marriage right now could we talk about this at this point or um you know i don't i don't feel spiritually i'm I, i'm i'm growing can you help me with that those are things that need to be discussed but we also have to put aside things that just aren't that important it does not matter that he missed taking out the trash on sunday it is important to me, but That's you can let it go, right? You can let some of these things. Grace covers a multitude of sins, and I think we sometimes elevate things that are not important to the most important place, and we need to let some of those things go.
0: Sure, tutor me. First, I have to learn to spell it. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that gets in the way of that vision for marriage uh, entails unrealistic expectations, Another thing that we wanted to highlight for you is just the, the reality of unhealthy habits and where we see this most in couples are unhealthy patterns of communication. So let's just kind of, let's just kind of bullet uh, really quickly a couple of unhealthy patterns of communication. What you might call a critical tongue, just unpack that for a moment.
1: Um, yeah, critical tone of, of your, you know, way you say things, you're always criticizing, finding fault right? You're not building into the relationship, you're, you're hurting the relationship. Um, it's, it's very easy to do, and it's very hard to get out of that pattern. But today, make that a goal, that we're not going to act like this. We're going to actually take God seriously and try to live in a godly way and communicate in a godly way and and let me tell you if your family of origin if there's struggles there a lot of times those boatload right into your marriage and you've got to say someone's got to say today is a day we have got to stop this and let me tell you it's good for your kids when they see you change and they realize like hey I don't need to communicate this way we can change this it's really exciting and it's it's important because That is one thing I had said to George. You know, I came from kind of a crazy family, and I just said to him, you know what, I saw my parents' marriage, and I don't want that. I really want a marriage that's different. And if you're not interested in talking about hard things, or if you're not interested in dealing with, you know, things that I think we need to, I really don't want to sign up for this. Are you ready for hard? And yeah, he said yes. And you know what, he has dealt with hard things. And we can talk about, serious stuff. And that's my desire for you all in marriages, that you can talk about the hard things, because so many people aren't.
0: Right, so uh, critical tongue, critical tongue would be one thing that uh, we would mention in terms of communication. Very quickly, uh, a couple other things. One, what's, what scholars sometimes refer to as gunpowder words, words terms that just naturally explode in conversation, and even, you know, you always, you never kind of, kind of taking a particular instant and kind of going after a person in an unhealthy way. One of the things we've learned to do um, is to try to flip the script on that, and by that I mean this, you know, there may be certain things that, you know, they're, they're just ongoing frustrations that you have with your spouse. Well, can you seek to be intentional in affirming your spouse when they do that Right. Can you be the one who says, you know, I really appreciate it when you get the garbage out, uh, you know, uh, on Sunday night and those kinds of things. So um, seeking to kind of engage a certain situation from a positive perspective rather than simply blowing up. Uh, Another thing that we would mention just in terms of uh, negative communication habit would be defensiveness. And again... um, in the course of marriage, we, you know, there, there, there are conflicts, there are disagreements we have to work through. And Are you going to be the person that just always goes on the defensive? Are you going to be the person that always goes on the attack? Are you going to be the person who always says, well, well yeah, but, and what about the time you did that? And again, I think if, if we're attuned to the reality that this is before God, that, that hopefully gives us the, the freedom, the security to be open to having these conversations about hard stuff, without simply getting defensive. So we can talk about the critical tongue, gunpowder words, defensiveness. Maybe one other thing to mention would be silent treatment.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. My family did that really well, my family of origin. And I really had to work hard on this because I think it's really easy to just, when there's conflict or situations that aren't going well, is to just become silent and seethe. And you know, that is never good, because when she's not happy, nobody's happy, right? <laughs> and some of us control through our displeasure, and that's not helpful. We need to stop, put those guards down, and say, instead of being silent, we need to say, and you can even say this. I, I, I have a, a gal i recently been talking to, and I said, I know this is so hard for you, but you need to say even to your husband right now and say, you know what, I really struggle with not saying anything and seething and you need to help draw me out and you need to keep me accountable because it doesn't help to have that type of communication. I had a family, they would blow up about something. There was a silent treatment, and then all of a sudden we came back like nothing happened. Do you know how much carnage there is in that? Never acknowledging, wow, you know, I really hurt your feelings, or that was really unhelpful, please forgive me. There's so much grace in saying, I'm not perfect, I'm broken, I need help, those type of things. So please be willing to not engage in that type of behavior.
0: So we talked about unrealistic expectations, unhealthy habits, things that get in the way of kind of the vision that Proverbs has for marriage. Uh, One other thing that we would just highlight for you, because again, this is something we've seen with working with a lot of couples, is just the reality of unhelpful schedules. Um, I still, you know, I I remember we worked so hard when our kids were younger trying to maintain the family schedule, not getting crazy, and... And yet I remember one fall, they were all doing fall sports. And I remember looking at the calendar in a six day. In one week, you know, Monday through Saturday, we had, we had 11 games and practices that week. And so we kind of, we had to work through how do, we, how do we handle schedules well so it doesn't pull us apart as a couple. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I had a girlfriend that said, just don't give them ice skates, then they won't do hockey. But <laughs> <laughs> that's not always the help, most helpful thing. But I think we have to realize that our culture pushes us more and more to be busy and less intentional. And we really have to fight against that. And all these things can be good things. Sports can be good things. Music, you know, you know, civic organizations we get involved in, all those type of things are great. But if we're running away from having a good family dynamic or even like building into our children spiritually and in in their characters if we have great athletes but our kids have no character we're failing right so we really have to be much more intentional now in this culture than ever before Um, and that's that's something that we wanted our kids to know that like you know what it's great that you have a great resume and you're doing all these type of things but really what's most important to us do you love jesus and do you love people and sometimes, I tell you, we were m- failed miserably, and other times I feel like we did okay. And I have to tell you, there were some family devotion nights I walked out of because it drove me crazy. I just said, after 10 handstands and them running around like crazy, I was like, you've got this. I'm out of here, right? But we didn't give up on it, and it wasn't like, you know, some people couldn't do th- Amazing things, whatever nightly. We always shot, shot for once a week, and that was good for me. But I think you know, just be intentional as you, as you, in your marriage, but also as you parent.
0: So, again, here's this vision, and this is really what we want you to see because I think, from the perspective of Proverbs, here's here's how to lean into the potential for your marriage. Here's how to lean into it in such a way that that hopefully you can, on most days, keep the roof from leaking. To understand it, this is a covenant. And it's a covenant before God. And He's to be foundational in this relationship. And he's, He wants to be at work in this relationship. And given that commitment and given God's work, it's a place for us in different seasons of life to work together and to continue to learn about each other as intimate allies. That's the vision. Three components and three things that can get in the way. Unrealistic expectations, unhealthy habits, unhelpful schedules. Now, with that in mind, here's we, we kind of want to leave you with two action steps, and this is particularly for those of us who are married or maybe you're in a dating relationship, you're con- contemplating marriage, and this is really appropriate for you at this season. So two action steps. One is to have a conversation, and the second is to really develop... <laughs> Uh, what you might call a marriage rhythm so let me let me let me just mention the first and the first is I just want to encourage you particularly for those of us who are married just to have a check up conversation just how, how are we doing and maybe the things we've talked about you know the, uh, the kind of the three positive points and the three things that can get in the way can be part of your conversation I mean how are we doing do, you know, are we living with a sense of covenant? How are we doing before God? Do we, do we have a sense that God really wants to be at work in our relationship? And are we, are we building into our relationship with him so that, that we can help that happen? And, and let me just speak to the guys for a second. Guys, let me just acknowledge that, you know, periodically we hear, we hear concerns from spouses who say something like this, my husband is just not spiritually engaged. And it is a source of deep hurt and disappointment. Now realize, you may say, well, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that can look like. And if, you, if that's where you're at, I'd love to have that conversation with you or connect you with another guy that could help, so just let me know. But remember, it's, it's a covenant. It's before God. And it's to be a place where we're building <laughs> and learning together as intimate allies. So if you're in a marriage relationship, I can just encourage you just to have that conversation. How are we doing? And you know, are there some things getting in the way like expectations, like our communication habits, or maybe our schedules are just too crazy now and we're, we're, we're running so quickly, we don't see what it's doing to our marriage. And we need to figure out how to schedule things differently. So I want to encourage you to have a checkup conversation. The second thing we want to suggest to you is... is It's just a a helpful marriage rhythm that we like to recommend. So, Rose, you want to explain that?
1: Yeah, this is from a counseling friend of ours, and I think it's super helpful. And it's three things you do four times a day. Okay, so three things, four times a day. The three things are this, eye contact, look at each other. Secondly, physical touch. It can be just as simple as that or it can be a lot more complicated. (laughs) It's up to you. You're married. It's all good. So um, thirdly is good communication, saying something positive. For some of you, that might be harder at times um, as you start this. But think of something positive. Hey, you're a good provider or, you know, you know, I really appreciate when you talk kindly to me. Whatever it is, that those are the three things. Now you do this four times a day. So it's when you get up in the morning. It's when you leave to go apart. It's when you get back together, get home together, and before bed. And I want you guys to try it for one month and I want you to take it seriously and be intentional about it because I think this really does work. It builds intimacy. When you're having stress, it is, it's a really positive thing.
0: So three, three things, things, four, four times, times a day. Eye contact, physical touch, good communication. When you get up, when you separate, when you come back together, when you go to bed. So those are two things we, we want to leave you with. Just have the checkup conversation and try, just to implement the simple marriage rhythm because we've seen it. It, it really does, it really does build. A, it's pretty a simple tool, but it, it, you'll be surprised over time. It really can help build that togetherness into your relationship. So encouragement to you, particularly those of you who are married, is lean into this vision that Proverbs has for marriage. And Proverbs speaks powerfully and glowingly about what a marriage can be. But it also recognizes the dangers. Yet, I think if, if we build into our marriage according to this design, over time, we can, we can minimize the leaks. And we can experience the wonder, the joy, and the beauty of what God has created. With that in mind, let me, let me just pray for us. So Father, uh, this morning as we've been thinking about Proverbs, I pray that that we would take to heart this vision of what marriage can look like. Father, I pray particularly maybe for those who are not married now but they're anticipating perhaps being married at some point or they're they're in a relationship and, and maybe they're wondering, okay, is this something that can go forward or not? And I pray that this, this framework of understanding marriage as a covenant before you to be intimate allies, I pray that it could help them understand what this can look like. And I also pray for those of us who are married as we join online, as we're here in person, some of us are in the early seasons of marriage, others of us have been married for decades and decades. And, and yet wherever we are on that journey, I pray that today we would just through the words of Proverbs be reminded of of your wisdom and of the way that you have created this relationship to work. And may we be living, and may we be willing to live according to that design. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for joining us as we continue our journey through Proverbs this summer. I'm going to ask members of our prayer team to be down here at the front, and if there are ways we can pray with you, even about some of the stuff we talked about this morning, we'd love to do that. Rose and I will be here as well, but we want you to know that as as your church family, uh, we want to be in prayer with you about the things that are going on in your life. So now as you go, I pray that you would go just with a renewed sense of, of God's beauty in marriage and what marriage can actually look like. Amen.